The following is a presentation of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church and Pastor Chris Tice. For more audio and video content, please check us out on the web at www.opendoornj.org. We know as we get into the next chapter that God's about to give them something pretty awesome. He's about to deliver to the nation of Israel the law, what we would call the Ten Commandments. And as he goes into uh, Exodus chapter 20, he gives them uh, these, these commandments and uh, he explains these things to him as God is beginning to uh, show them his covenant with Israel. He's going to show them his relationship to them and he's going to reveal to them something about himself. And we looked at last week, our God's a holy God. He's a righteous God. And, and uh, God uh, was giving them some, some symbols here. He was giving them some, some illustrations here about himself that we can glean from for today. And I understand we're not Israel tonight. God's uh, not entering into that covenant relationship with us like he did Israel. But God did enter into a relationship with us when he delivered to us the gospel. And God has uh, given us his law and written it on our hearts, the Bible says. God has a purpose for these things, but he gives them uh, kind of three things, and I want to look at those three things tonight, we'll be done. And number one, there was a need for purity. There was a need for purity. You notice what he tells them, he says in verses 10 and 11, verses 14 and 15, change your clothes, wash your garments. You know, we kind of take that for granted as we all have clothes in the, uh, in the closet, we've got clothes in the uh, in the in the in the dresser, if you would, and we can go get clean clothes, and we've got showers in our home and all those things. Can you remember where they were? They were in the middle of nowhere. They were in the middle of the wilderness. They didn't have water to drink, and uh, they definitely probably didn't have a whole lot of water for washing clothes and washing themselves. This was a big deal. Plus, we're talking about over a million people here. you imagine how much water it would take for a million people to wash their clothes? You thought your water bill bill was high and how many times you had to run your washing machine. But they had to wash themselves and they had to wash their clothes. And this was symbolic. This was a big deal because they were about to meet with God and it was important. And they needed to do something about that. They needed to make sure that they prepared themselves to meet with God. And God didn't want them to be casual in their preparation for meeting with him. God didn't want them to kind of uh, be nonchalant in their approach to coming to him. You know, a lot of times I, th- I think today we're a little bit too casual in our approach to God. You know, God's not any less awesome today than he was then. God's not less, any less incredible today than he was then. But yet uh, he demanded of them. He said, hey, listen, you need to wash, you need to cleanse. And if you remember that changing of garments, this washing of clothes goes all the way back to Adam and Eve. When Adam uh, and Eve were uh, sinned, they covered themselves with fig leaves, but God changed their clothes, didn't he? It was symbolic, not necessarily about the kind of clothes that he put on, although there was an animal that was sacrificed and killed, and that was uh, just the beginning of us seeing the sacrifice and death that comes from sin, but really it was a changing of clothes because he restored them. He forgave them, and he restored them, and he, he, he changed their garments. If you think about how many times you see that in scriptures, every time that there was a, an action that God took in someone's life, there was a change, there was a change, and there was a purifying, there was a changing of clothes and a changing of garments. And, and for us tonight, as, as though we understand we're not into ceremonial practices of changing our garments and, and washing ourselves ceremonially, ceremonially like they did, what we do understand tonight is that God has given us 1 John 1.9, hasn't he? What does he tell us in 1 John 1, 9? 
that we, would, that we are to confess our sins because he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There's a reminder for all of us tonight as we understand that we've been set free, we've been redeemed, we've been saved, and I hope you're saved tonight. I hope you, uh, you've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, but uh, God is not less concerned with our purity. God still wants his people to be sanctified. God still wants his people to be pure. With me tonight? He wants us to be pure. He says, be holy as I'm holy. And he's not talking about the washing of the outward garments. He's not talking about going through the Old Testament practices and and taking on the Old Testament law again. He's telling us, hey, listen, there's a need for the inside, for us on the inside to be clean. And a lot of times we wash the outside, but we forget about the inside, don't we? We forget about the part that God sees. A lot of times we come to church and we're preparing to be seen by others, but we're not prepared to be seen by God. You think about that. God sees the what? The heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. If we truly believe that God cares about what's on the inside and God sees the inside, how much care and concern have we taken in cleansing ourselves tonight is making sure that uh, the inside's clean, that uh, the heart and mind have been purified, that we've confessed our sins and, 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 and been cleansed. Are, are you with me tonight? Don't we need to be pure? God's called us to that, and listen, we could just be religious tonight and just keep washing the outside and putting on the right things and looking outwardly like Christians, if you would, while the inside is dirty and the inside is ignored and we're not taking heed to what's going on in our minds and what's going on in our hearts and where we truly are at in our relationship with God as it it is. And I, I say this to you tonight, have a time each day when you come before God and get clean. I mean, don't you have a time every day that you, you get clean in the body? I mean, we wake up in the morning, most of us, and before we go out, thankfully, for social purposes and for smell purposes, thankfully, uh, we shower, don't we? Because we understand that when we see people and when we around others, we need to make sure that we have enough regard for them that we clean ourselves, that we prepare ourselves Uh, to be in the presence of others. But what about the presence of God? Isn't he with us all the time? And we need to have that care and concern that we would say, hey, God, I'm in your presence, and and God, help me not to be so presumptuous that I would come into your presence and have a dirty heart and have a dirty mind and not not being clean. Can Can I share with you tonight that it is an impossibility for us to live in this world if this old sin nature that we have inside of us and not get dirty? We just do. Come on, you and I know we have thoughts we shouldn't have. We have desires we shouldn't have. A lot of times what we do is we act like they're not there, but the truth is they are there and they need to be confessed and they need to... Hey, listen, he says to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, to cast down wicked imaginations. It's amazing sometimes what creeps into the mind, isn't it? You ever stop and go, why did I think that? Why did I think that? Why is that? Why am I thinking on that? Why am I dwelling on that? Why did that come into my mind? And, and God tells us to take those, those things that enter into our hearts and minds and, and, to, and to captivate them, to lock them up. And, and to, he, says, he says that we would be transformed by the renewing of our minds, that we may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have a time every day where you come before God and get clean. Listen, I understand that there's a need for us to pray before we eat, but I would tell you this, 
I think uh, there's, not few, there's not too many times where I eat anything or, or put my hands near my mouth where I don't wash my hands. Are you with me? I was very conscious about that today as I shook a lot of hands today. Now, before I ate my lunch, I went and thoroughly washed my hands. Why? Because I didn't want to put something that could harm me in my body. So I'm going to be careful. Hey, listen, shouldn't we have that same concern for us spiritually tonight? Sometimes we pollute ourselves and we don't, we don't even think about it. We, we're not conscious of the fact that we need to be washed. Jesus went to his disciples, didn't he? What did he do with them? He washed their feet. Why did he wash their feet? Because their feet got dirty. I mean, why do we confess our sins? Because there's sins to confess. There's stuff that we need to, to bring before God. And, and I, by the way, I'm not trying to collect my sins so that I have this really long list to bring before God. I'd rather not get so dirty that I don't even know whether or not I'm dirty or clean anymore. You know, uh, we've got to have this time where we come before God. How about this? Don't let sin go unconfessed. Don't let sin go unconfessed. You say, how often should I confess my sin? Every, as often as he convicts you of it. You know, there's a moment-by-moment moment cleansing we can have with God. It's where, God, I shouldn't have thought that. God, I shouldn't have said that. God, I shouldn't have reacted that way. You know what that is? That's regarding God's presence in your life. That's saying, hey, listen, God, I want to be clean. I understand that you're a holy God and you're a pure God and, and I need to be clean to be in your presence. How about this? In confession, start with the hidden and work your way out. In confession, start with the hidden and work your way out. You know, a lot of times we... we uh, we, we start with, can you imagine taking a shower and only cleaning the parts of your body that people see? That's pretty gross, isn't it? You say, Pastor, that's, I, that's inappropriate. Listen, I, I'm trying to say that's ridiculous, isn't it? But that's what we do spiritually, isn't it? Spiritually, we're just so concerned with what sins people saw. Well, so-and-so might have saw me, so I need to make sure I get that right. What about the things that only God sees? Start with the hidden and work your, work your way out. You know why? Because God's more concerned with what people can't see. He's more concerned with the thoughts and the intents of your heart than he is your actions. You say God doesn't care about your outward actions? No, he does. But those are pretty obvious, aren't they? It's pretty, it's pretty basic. It's pretty easy to take care of those. What's hard to take of is, hey, search me, O oh God, and see if there be a wicked way in me. God, if there's something about me that's not clean, God, bring it to my mind. I need a clean mind. I need a clean heart. I need a clean body. I want God to cleanse me. And there's a need for purity. He said, hey, listen, God's coming. He's showing up. Wash your clothes. Can I tell you, God already showed up. His presence is already here. We're not waiting for him to show up. He's already here. It's the truth. We're not hoping he's going to show up. When we come together, don't we bring his presence with us? Don't you have God's spirit? Doesn't he dwell inside of you? We've come together. Hey, he's here. Sometimes we just don't recognize it. Sometimes we just don't see it. I want to see it more. How about you? I want to sense it more. I want to be more sensitive to the presence of God. I don't want to, I, listen, I don't want a service where we don't sense God's presence, but I don't want a day where I don't sense God's presence. How about you? I need God every day. I need God every moment. 
every moment of every day. And aren't you glad he never leaves us or forsakes us? I mean, think about when is there a time that you don't need God? You need him all the time and we need to be clean. There's a need for purity. Number two, there's a need for proximity. There's a need for proximity. Notice what he shows us here in verses 12 and 13, verses 20 through 25. He talks about the distance between him and the nation of Israel. Do you see this kind of God that's up on the mountain and the people that are down on the ground kind of thing? How many glad that that's not your relationship with God today? But that's how it was. You know, they needed Moses to talk to them and tell them what God said because they couldn't hear his voice because they didn't have a way to communicate with him, because they had no access to him? Think about that. I want you to think about that tonight, because here's the truth. You and I have access to the God that was up on that mountain. That God, the same one. You and I have access to that God. That's awesome. I mean, like Moses had access, we have access. We can, as what Moses said... Talk to him as a friend would face to face. That's the access that Moses got. Hey, Aaron got invited into that as the priest, didn't he? How many are glad tonight that you don't have to come to me to go to God? I'll say a double amen to that because I would not want to facilitate that. I'm just being honest. I'm glad there's no booth where I got to sit behind a, you know, pretend, act, act like I don't know who you are while you tell me all your sins. I'm not trying to make light of that stuff tonight, but what I'm saying is I'm glad I don't have to facilitate that tonight. You know why? Because I could never forgive your sins, and I could never pardon them, and I would have no answer for them, but I tell you tonight that we have direct access to a holy God who can forgive us and cleanse us, and we can come boldly into his presence. There's a need for proximity tonight, isn't there? The Old Testament was, hey, listen, you can't come close. You can't come near. You know why? Because he's a holy God and they were a profane, wicked people. And they they needed to be near to God, but they couldn't come near to God. You know, aren't you glad for the change in the New Testament that in Hebrews in chapter number 10, by the way, he's talking to the Hebrews, he's talking to the Jews, he's reminding them no more need for the uh, high priest and the mediation between God and man. There's, There's no more need for the sacrifices. There's no more need for the lambs and the goats and all the things that were killed. No more need for any of that stuff. And what he says in Hebrews in chapter number 10, he says, because of all this, let us draw near. That's what he says. If you could get close to that God and know it wouldn't kill you, wouldn't you want to be? I mean, when Moses got invited, you know what he saw? He saw the New Testament, if you would. What we, he, got a, he was a forerunner. He got to see ahead a little bit. To a God who wanted to. Hey, what did he do with Moses? He kind of put him in the cleft of the rock and covered his hand and he protected him. That us tonight? God protects us and he loves us and he, he communes with us and he talks with us and we get to hear his voice. Have you got over the fact that you get to hear God's voice? You say, well, it's not an audible voice. Might as well be. Might as well be. Don't we have this? They didn't have it. Are we not recipients of a wonderful word? God's given us his word. You know, 
He gave us more than ten commandments. He gave us his complete, inerrant. That means without error. He's given us his complete word. And he's preserved it for us. How many glad that you have it in your own language tonight? I'm glad we're not having services and... And, uh, uh, you know, we're having some kind of service in a language that you don't understand because, you know, it's not for you. It's not for you. No, it's for you. God says, my word's for you. I want you to hear my word. I want you to hear my word. That's why he tells the, uh, the pastors of the churches, preach the word. Why does he say that? Hey, I want the people to hear the word. I want them to read the Word. I want them to know the Word. I want the Word to get in them because it's, it's my Word for you. That's God saying, hey, listen, I care so much about you to tell you what I want from you and to tell you how you can have access with me and have a relationship with me. Hebrews 10, let us draw near. Our access is Jesus Christ, isn't it? I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out, and find pasture. Aren't you glad for that? Access. What does he say? Hey, come boldly before the throne of grace. You'll find he- uh, grace to help in time of need. You can come. You can come boldly. Hey, come like you belong in the presence of God, because, because of Jesus, you do. You know, we can stand. Uh, are you with me, the, the song? I stand amazed in the presence I stand amazed in the presence. Think about this, that we could stand before that God. I'm talking about the God that was up on the mountain. I'm talking about the mountain was shaken and the the earthquake and all the things that, that showed how awesome he was. We can stand before him. I tell you, I don't know if I'd be able to stand if I saw, saw that God. The need for proximity. You and I need to be close to God. How's your relationship with the Lord tonight? Would you categorize it or describe it as being a close relationship? Or is it kind of on again, off again? Or is it kind of distant and cold? You can't really hear Him. You don't really feel like you know Him. Can I say this tonight? If you feel that way, it's not God's fault. It's not God's fault. You know why? Because he gave you access. He is inviting you. You know what he says? You feel, let me, I feel a little tired and a little worn out and beat up tonight. How about you? I'm being honest. You know what he says? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He says, come. You tired? Come. You need encouragement? Come. You need strength? Come. I'll give you strength. I'll give you rest. Listen, so so many times we listen to the flesh and we listen to the, the devil who says, run from God, run from God. Listen, run to God tonight. Run to God tonight. The worst thing that you could do in your Christian life is run away from God. Listen, I understand. He's awesome. It's a little scary how awesome he is. I mean, I think about the Lord and how he could just, I mean, he could wipe me out. How many of you were God would have wiped me out? (laughs) 
How many of you were God would have wiped you out a long time ago? You know that his mercy for you and I is new every morning. I don't understand it, but I appreciate it tonight. I don't get why he keeps putting up with me, but he does. You know why? Because it's all about what I'm wrapped up in. His righteousness. Because when God sees me, he sees the righteousness of his son Jesus. He doesn't see me. I'm clothed in his righteousness tonight. And I don't feel very righteous tonight, but I tell you, I'm clothed in his righteousness. That's the access. That's the entrance. Listen, that should cause us to come humbly. To come humbly. I know he says boldly, but I tell you, I wouldn't go into his presence and be presumptuous and say, oh, I can just act how I want and do what I want and I don't really have to have any honor. I don't have to really have any respect. I don't. Hey, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We should still fear him. We should still have an awe of God because he's awesome, isn't he? When we come before him, hey, come humbly. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, it says. There's a need for purity. There's a need for proximity. Then lastly, tonight we'll be done. There's a need for presence. There's a need for presence. The last uh, little picture that he gives us here in this chapter as he closes it out and we get into chapter number 20 is verses 16 through 19. He talks about this storm, this awesome presence of a holy and righteous God. You know, I don't know if we've ever seen a storm like that, but I don't know if it was like Sandy. Anybody remember what that was like around here? Pretty scary. I remember walking outside in my front yard while that was going on and watching the rain like come in sideways and then watching the trees bending. I stood in my yard and watched one of the, one of the big trees just fall. Just hit the ground, felt like an earthquake. I thought, man, that's awesome. That's scary. You think about the uh, disciples. They were on that boat, and the winds were blowing, tossing the boat all around, and they were scared to death. But think about who God is. Jesus got up on the bow of the boat, and he said, peace, be still. You know, this is a God that controls all of that stuff. You know, we, we live in a, in a day and age of people enamored with fantasy and superheroes and all these things that control the elements. God is greater than all that stuff. I'm talking about it's just Greek mythology reborn. The worship of man, that man could be like God, that we're in all of man. Forget that. God made all that stuff. God's in control of all that stuff. Our God is awesome. I mean, he was there and his presence brought on a storm. You know what he was doing? He was trying to show the people how awesome he was, how incredible he was. And the cloud comes down over top of the, the mountain and the thunder and the lightning and the earthquake and the fire. And the, and the Bible says the people saw that stuff and they started to tremble. If I was there, I'd tremble too. How about you? Anybody volunteer to go trekking up the mountain? I've been there and said, I'm glad Moses is going, not me. I don't want to go. God invited Moses to come up in the midst of that. 
And uh, he was about to teach them his law. He was about to reveal to him, to them, his righteousness. That's what the law, by the law is the righteousness of God revealed. He was about to show them how holy and how righteous a God he was. He was about to show them how ugly and how sinful they were. Because no matter how much they tried, they couldn't keep the law, could they? Let me ask you a question. Have you kept the Ten Commandments? I haven't. Even to the people that thought they were keeping the Ten Commandments, boy, Jesus just burst their bubble, didn't he? He said, you've heard, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. You've heard, thou shalt not kill. But I say unto you, whoso hateth his brother. What was Jesus saying? You broke all the commandments a long time ago. Stop walking around like you're righteous. Stop, stop acting like you've done anything. You, you're not righteous. You can't be righteous apart from me. There's no way to God except through Jesus Christ. His law revealed their sinfulness. The law was a window into God's righteousness and a mirror that revealed their sinfulness. And I'll tell you, uh, as we look into the perfect law of liberty, what does it do? It reveals who we are. And you can't take the mirror off the wall and wash yourself with it. Think about that. The mirror just reveals what you are. But it's not, it's not the uh, method for cleansing. You can't take the mirror off the wall and wash yourself. Well, you don't wash your face with it. It's, it's, not, how, it's not how we uh, to handle it. It just revealed. By the law came the knowledge of sin. What was God trying to tell them? You're sinful. You need salvation. You need a Savior. You need a Messiah. You need Him to come and save you. Hey, uh, behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. Is he talking about that Lamb that was going to, all the, all the sins were going to be put on Him. The sins of the world would be put on Him. God was going to lay on Him, Isaiah, the iniquity of us all. You know, it got dark when Jesus was on the cross. There was some thunder. There was some lightning. There was some earthquake. There was a cloud that came down. There was some shaking. You know what? It was the same God that was on Sinai. He was taking all the sins of the people and laying them on his son. And Jesus cried out with a loud voice, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? As he bled and died for our sins. He became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. That's what happened. What was God trying to tell His people? Only His presence could save them. Only His presence could save them. But without Jesus, His presence would kill them. Did you get that? Without Jesus, His presence would kill them. You know we could never enter into rest and forever be with the Lord if our sins haven't been dealt with. That's it. That's the message. That's the gospel. I mean, that's the whole thing. You can't be forever with God in your, in your current state. Neither could I. You know why? That's why God's going to give us a new body. How am I glad for that tonight? All the aches and pains, no more sickness, no more pain, 
No more parting over there. And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? But can I say this tonight? If you're a believer, you have God's presence. You have God's presence. It's amazing to me that the God up on the mountain is the God that's in my heart. The God up on the mountain is the God that's in my heart. Not only has he touched me, but he's in me. And I'm in him. That's that's an awesome thing, isn't it? We have the, the presence of God in us. You know, last night I was walking here, in here, it was late. I was just praying and asking God to meet with us today. And I said, God, this is just an empty, big empty room. But tomorrow you're going to fill it with your people and your presence. You know, he was only present here because I was here. Because he's ever present with us, isn't he? If we don't have a building, we still have his presence. And by the way, when you leave here tonight, he's not staying here. He's going with you. This is not the place where God dwells. He dwells in us. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. You and I, that's where he dwells. That's where he is tonight. You know what we need tonight? We need to acknowledge his presence. Acknowledge it. We walk around like God's not with us. Then we wait till we have an emergency and we cry for God to be with us. God's saying, I've always been with you. I haven't left you. Thanks for waking up and acknowledging the fact that I've been here all along. We get ourselves in trouble when we don't acknowledge his presence, don't we? We, uh, we think that he doesn't see us and he's not around or he doesn't have time for us. God's presence today isn't any less awesome than it was then. He's present in our lives. He's present when we pray. He's present when we worship. We need to make him preeminent in his church again. In other words, when we come, let's make his name great. Let's, let's not come, not, not, don't come for me. Don't come for everybody. Come for God. Come together. Make his name great. Worship the Lord. He inhabits, when we, inhabits our worship, the Bible says. You know how pleased God is when we praise him? Because that's what we were made to do. You know, when we, when we sing, don't just stand there like a bump on a log. Worship him. You say, well, he didn't bless me with some beautiful voice like some of the people that sing. Make a joyful noise. But worship him. Worship him. You know, it's, it's sad where we let so many silly things keep us from worshiping God. We're distracted by the method of our worship, the mode of our worship. We're distracted. I mean, worship the Lord. That's what God wants from us. Well, I only worship God in optimum situations. Fool you on that. You'd never worship God in the prison then. At midnight, they sang praises unto God. Tell me, is that an optimum situation for worshiping God? You know what we can't? We have a hard time getting to church. We got carpet and padded pews and air conditioning to worship God. 
And Christians back then, they were worshiping God in Colosseums while they were going to be sacrificed and killed, burned at the stake, and they worshiped God. While they were locked in prison, while they were being beaten, they worshiped God. We can't worship God. Look at all God's given us. How dare we not worship God? How could we not worship God? We, we, we have so many blessings God has given us. We allow things to rob us of our worship. You know, one thing that people need to experience once again when they come into the house of God is a people wholly given to worshiping God again. Just singing from their heart to the Lord. It's not my favorite song. Who cares? It's not about your favorite song. It's about God. Well, I don't like that song. Who cares? It's not about you. It's about God. I mean, we've made church services all about our preferences, what we like, what we don't like, what we, you know, what we, I mean, how in the world are we all going to work? If we just wholly come together and say, hey, listen, I don't care what they're playing. I don't care what they're singing. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to worship God. I'm just going to worship God. I'm not going to be distracted by all this other stuff. That's how we need to come together. You know, if people came to church and they experienced that, it might change some things. You know what people need to see, especially lost people, need to see how awesome we believe our God is, how worthy of worship. Hey, listen, when we get to heaven, that's what we're going to be doing forever and ever and ever. You better start practicing. I mean, this is a time for us to worship the Lord. I'm thankful that we get to come together. I'm thankful, listen, I'm thankful that we have a time that we've laid aside as a church family just to worship God. Time just to pray. Time to hear the preaching of his word. It's important, isn't it? Make time for it when you come. Do why we came. I mean, make, make, the, make a point to accomplish the purpose for why you came to church. Some people, they only come to church to see all their friends, and so that's it, after they see everybody. You know, this morning, I was, uh, I was encouraged. In the early service, we had about, I guess, five, four or five first-time guests. Some people, we just don't, were they saved, were they lost? Do you know their name? Did you meet them? Did you talk to them? We're just so busy, aren't we? There wasn't so many people that you couldn't see them, that I couldn't see them. You know what they need? They need Jesus. They need the Lord. And you know what? That, that, what's going to happen is if they see a people so in love with God, so in awe of Him, that it's not just some religious rhetoric, it's not just some vain repetition that we're doing, doing the same stuff over and over and over again. You know what God's tired of? Your vain, my vain repetition. Just saying the same stuff, doing the same things over and over and over again. You know why God takes his hand off that stuff? When the church just starts to worship repetition? He says, I'm going to bless something else. Bless something else. Let them keep worshiping that stuff. Till they find out I'm not in it anymore. Then maybe they'll come find me. We need to want God's presence more than anything. You're with me tonight. We need purity. We need proximity. We need his presence. 
If God has used this ministry in any way to be a blessing to you, please take a moment to send us an email to info at opendoornj.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at opendoornj.org. Thanks for tuning in.